0: Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible. With Chef Jean Blum and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. I am very, very happy to reintroduce you to one of our friends of the show, uh, Elijah Mulligan, who is now the chef. For Rosemary Ridley Park. Elijah, welcome back to Food Farms and
1: Chefs. Hi, right. thanks for having me back.
0: <laughs> no problem. So for our new listeners out there, um, because we get we gain thousands of followers on a regular basis, um, let our listeners know a little bit about yourself, um, you know, on the back end of things, just because you know, in reintroducing yourselves to our listeners. It's been a oh, year as we sure. discussed. Yeah. yeah.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, my name is chef Elijah Milligan. I go by chef Eli, uh, local guy, right. Born and raised Philadelphia, uh, spent some time around the country cooking. Uh, now I've been back home. Um, we just got out of the pandemic and, um, now we're on this new venture, which is the restaurant Rosemary. Um, but yeah, veteran industry, uh, we're going on 20 years now. Uh, I'm a parent first and foremost. That's what was important to my beautiful 12 year old girl. And, um, that's pretty much me in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) Oh, the 12 year old. That's such a young age. Like now, does she, does she come into like the restaurants at all that you work at?
1: Oh yeah. She's a restaurant baby. Um, (laughs) my parents actually have a couple of restaurants too. So like she knows the restaurant industry pretty well. Uh, she's helped me out, you know, with prep, with serving, busing, all that stuff over the years. Uh, she actually has a pretty neat skill set, I would say, too, for a 12 year old in the kitchen. Um, oh. But obviously, because I do it, she doesn't want to do it when she goes. Maybe that might change. But, you know, for her, it's uh, supposed to do something totally different now. Right. So.
0: Well, I mean, something always changes and inspires somebody like. But if you're like in in it at a young age, I feel like eventually you circle back around. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Cause it might feel just almost natural. Like, Hey, I actually know all this stuff and I can, you know, do this pretty good. So, you know, um, yeah, she's watching me do it. She's a part of what I do. Um, you know, it's even funny. Like when I have to do, you know, during a pandemic, I do a lot of like videos just like this at home. And, you know, she was like my little assistant in a bag around under the table and stuff like that. So yeah.
0: that's very adorable. Now, I mean the last okay. So we discussed the last time that I actually interacted with you was, I think it was a very short clip, but um, you know, it was because you were running around and I was trying to gain a like a ton of different interviews at a uh, Phil- Taste of Philadelphia, which is going to be happening soon again. Um, I think October twelfth or twentieth something. I remember too.
1: Yes, the twenty first, twenty second. Um, I'm not going to be there this year though. Okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. Valley Forge Casino.
0: Yeah. Um, now, I always love seeing you. Like you are a, like such a wonderful individual and, you know, your just demeanor, your the way that you carry yourself. It's it's very like. I'm drawn to you. (laughs) So I I always, I'm always happy to see you. Um, (laughs) But um, I, I think of all the years that I've uh, interacted with you and brought you on for like a variety of things. I don't know if I've ever tasted your food.
1: Well, I gotta say that's a little disappointment. Uh, I know. I don't want everyone to taste my food. So <laughs>
0: it's it's because I'm always running around, as you know. Um, right. you know, and but like I, okay. So I know that uh the new place, the the Rosemary Ridley Park, I know that it's very like vegetable forward. Um I don't know if it's a vegan restaurant per se.
1: No, um, no. Uh yes, we do, you know, source great, you know, vegetables and fruits, uh, whatever I can be hands on all around the country. Um, but it's not the main focus. Um we just try to do a little bit of everything, right? Like it's um, you know, I feel like you know the menu is very approachable for everyone. Uh, we even have a secret kids menu for the people that don't know. Um, but like we um we just get good ingredients, whether it's you know, proteins, uh, you know, meats, uh poultry, uh the best. I love seafood, Everything seafood, so, you know, the best fish I can find all around the country. Um, you know, seeing the vegetables is just putting a great focus into, you know, whatever we do and having something for everyone. Um, but speaking of you not being in yet, we are seven days a week, uh, dinner service.
2: <laughs> and
1: uh, brunch. Yeah, so we're actually starting brunch next week. Um, oh, this week, I'm sorry, Saturday. Nice. Um, yeah, so we're starting brunch. We do a late night happy hour, so we're open a lot. <laughs>
0: oh wait wait! so a late night happy hour like what do you mean like how late is your late night happy hour
1: uh well we do keep the bar open um you know till two but there's just staying in the kitchen you know food menu until at least 12 uh previously we closed the kitchen at 10 so
0: okay um i mean that that makes sense and yeah. you know especially because it takes a little while for you guys to scrub the entire like kitchen down
1: well for sure and again we're <laughs> a week operation so uh you know, okay, you probably see it with me right now. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Monday and I'm already, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, he's got a busy weekend. So, um, yeah, but two hours extended time. Yeah. We're open, so four to 12 most days.
0: Well, that's good. Now, I know that you guys are, are I mean, you're saying that you're uh, obtaining like produce from like various places like the best Mm. produce and the best meats and whatnot from various places around the u.s but i do know that you work with um local farms to bring in the freshest ingredients that are like close to yeah
1: yeah absolutely it's you know what makes sense you know obviously um you know, like local is great, right? You always want to support the local vendors, the local farms, things like that. But like only so many things grow over here, right? And yeah. you got to be conscious of that. I think as a chef, you want to be creative. And, um, you know, just knowing that, you know, especially in this day and age, it's 2023. 20, you can get sometimes something faster <laughs> from the other side of the country than it is to get it from a farm that is about two hours away. Yeah. If uh, that makes any sense, you know. Um <laughs> No, seriously, you know, like, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in California, and with that, you know, every place that, you know, I was able to, you know, work with, you know, there's always a farm attached, so you know, kind of opened my eyes a lot more, you know, to farms, um, you know, to the industry alone, and you know where we source our product from, and um, you know, again over there, over here, we only have so much sun, we only have so much soil, you know, we uh, we do have a lot of great things that come out of the ground over here that like people on the West Coast don't have access to, but it's also vice versa as well. Um, and it's just really sometimes finding like, you know, and I think we really get down to the food itself is knowing that every season is not going to be a great season for the things that we love. Like, yeah. you're not going to, you know, you can have a place where you're growing tomatoes for 20, 30 years. Every season is not going to be a great season for it. Right. Like, yeah, and that's just the, you know, getting down to the nitty gritty of it. So.
0: And I mean I know that it also it matters like with the farms making sure that they rest their land. Like you have to rest Absolutely. your land because otherwise you don't give it a chance to like re like invigorate itself with the nutrients. So yeah,
1: exactly with nutrients. And that's why, right? Like if you try to take a good piece of farmland and you try to overdo it, then you start to have a lesser quality. You know, yeah. so like, there's, you know, so many, I think, rules that go behind it when it comes to you know farming and getting stuff stuff fresh. Uh, I think the more you hear to those rules and also, you know, on the East Coast, which I do love, uh, is that I don't, I don't really go by the seasons, right? When I'm talking food or menu, it's more like the micro seasons, right? Like yeah. right now we're technically in fall, but like my favorite fall, you know, produce and vegetables are not necessarily coming out the ground right now, right? Like, yeah. yes, I want to pop out the apples and pumpkin spice, everything and all the squash. But <laughs> you got to give them time. They're not just ready yet, right? So,
0: yeah you know what my favorite one of my favorite squashes is is acorn squash i feel like oh, you can do all yeah right i feel like very you need so much mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: very, so very flavorful um i think much more easily accessible than it was it came my radar maybe 15 years ago um where you know you ask certain farmer what is that and like now it's a lot more accessible but um yeah it's great um you know we know butternut is the you know, holy kind of crel of all the, you know, squashes, but if you want something <laughs> a little bit nicer, a little bit flavorful. I think acorn is the way to go.
0: Yeah. And then for people that are like, you know, looking to like do alternative, you know, things for sp- um spaghetti or carbs, like right there in the name, spaghetti squash.
1: Oh, for sure. Right. Like classic old school. Um, You know, it's funny because you see a lot more home chefs doing nowadays and again, much more readily available. And that's just the beauty of right like technology and, you know, being able to like ship things fast and you know um shoot amazon has probably been a big you know part of that but like again there's stuff that like and i'm surprised where i can order it from like you know maybe florida or like Hawaii or something like that and you can get it within a day and a half two days almost nowadays so it's yeah sick, but.
0: oh so wait, i have to throw myself under the bus right now just for like a hot second because the first time that i actually cooked a spaghetti squash i yeah. looked up there you know like oh this is how you're supposed to do it and it said put oil on it and i was like being a dum-dum and i actually put oil over the entire thing Oh, uh, <laughs>
1: outside of the shell yeah <laughs> and
0: my oven was disastrous after that it oh, was...
1: i can imagine because you probably had a super hot too to bake it like 400 degrees or something yeah uh-huh.
0: it was like oil exploded inside the oven i was cleaning it for a while
1: <laughs> well you know it's funny you say it, because i just did a um it just did a uh I guess, a story or podcast recently where we're just talking about, like, you know, how people cook more at home, right? Like, they're, you know, I think a lot more knowledgeable, of the ingredients that they're bringing in, um, and it's just different to diners that we have, right, from yeah. from today and 10 years ago, but, like, people are cooking at home, a lot of people are so scared to cook, and, like, you got to realize that chefs make the same mistakes all the time, too, <laughs> like, so, like. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can look at a guy so my you know, staff right now would probably do that same exact thing right now if I told him At them some point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, it was definitely a learning curve. I was like, okay, yeah. we're not going to ever do that again.
1: <laughs> well, and honestly, again, I think that's what comes with being like a chef or like a really good cook is that like you have to make those mistakes to know like, hey, definitely don't do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Definitely.
1: Don't do this. I know this from experience. I've seen it happen. So.
0: Yeah, and- and like, it's like, okay. So I, I started all of this by like doing recipe development. Like then okay. I gained somebody's attention, like a digital magazine wanted me to write for them, write recipes. That's how all of this trickle down the line. One door opens after another. Um, And I came to be food farms and chefs. Um, That's really kind of like <laughs> making it right. like the keep it simple, stupid version of it. But, um, <laughs> but like, I used to cook all the time. So there, I know a lot of tricks of the trade, but like ho- self-taught.
1: Right. So. Um, and sometimes that's the best too, right? Like, I don't know. I think where you're self-taught, you really want something, you really want to make something successful. Uh, you're going to put a lot more effort into learning because you have to, you don't have a choice. Yeah. Right? So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the thing is, is the advent of the hospitality industry, as you know, you know, like There's so many crossover relationships. Um, So no matter what, you're going to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Um, And that's part of why I love doing this is because like I I will say that there was an industry that reached that I happenstance like came across and they were looking for um, chefs or whatever. So I started connecting them to different chefs and like networking like and everything just i'm sorry i'm n- totally getting off subject but <laughs> no no
1: you're fine I, I like this topic as well um you know, it is uh one of the things i love about this industry where it can be you know competitive but everyone is also friendly right like we're all going for that same goal like everyone wants to want to fill their restaurants up right like yeah <laughs> everyone wants to people or wants to do great food but like everyone helps each other and um the chef industry is i think very unique with that and then um and it's pretty cool right like when i go and travel it's you know chances are i know at least one chef in like every city at least you know and like hang out and go to the restaurant and you know they let you know where to go eat and where to hang out and things like that but you know again it's just a very very tight community um city to city um it's all around so
0: yeah all right let's circle back around to uh rosemary ridley park mm-hmm. so I saw a little video of you where you were, you actually went out and you're growing your own herbs and picking them before you cook. So, yeah. so, I mean, on a weekly basis, obviously, like, you know, herbs take time to grow and, you know, come to fruition. Sure. Then you have to, like, bloom them and, like, you know, bring them, like, wake them up before you put them in. Um, what's it like, like, having that opportunity to just walk out the back door and, like, grab whatever you need?
1: Um, Well, I love herbs, for one. Um, I think it's, uh, I think the secret to being a great cook, right? And I think it's the usage of herbs and citrus. If you want my little secret, like, that's it, right? Like, (laughs) you know, good seasoning, herbs and citrus are your best friends when it comes to making a dish. Um, A lot of times people are showing me like a a pasta dish or something. I'm like, first thing first, there's no herbs. What, What are you doing? But again, you know, having that available to you. Um, you know, I think it's very special. It's, you know, it makes the a day for me to be able to go out and do that. Um, and yeah, knowing that it's going to regrow and like, yeah, there's a time period, right? For certain gr- herbs to grow back. Um, so what we do is, uh, we treat it a, l- a little bit more special. Um, our staff takes care of them. Um, and, you know, just teaching them like where to clip things at, how to clip things, when to let things mature. And, um, knowing that when we do use those herbs, we feature them a little bit more. Right. Like we're not going to put into like a big batch of like stew that's just going to brown. No one's going to notice. We try to use those as featured ingredients on dishes and just like really highlight and respect those herbs as well.
0: Yeah. And I think I heard or saw something that you guys also utilize those herbs to, um, you know, highlight them in cocktails as well.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Because one of my. Well, well, I was going to say, same thing with, um, and it's funny with our bartenders now, bartenders I know, you know, throughout the industry. A lot of times, if, uh, you know, when I am going for a Cox or so, or, you know, an accident making one, I'm like, hey, maybe add a little basil or mint to this. And I'm like, really, dude? Really? And you taste it. You're like, okay, I see why. You know, like uh, mint. Mint is one of the most underrated ingredients ever, right? Like, people yeah. are just like, oh, it's just mint, but like, it is the flavoring for what? Toothpaste and mouthwash and gum and like everything nice, right? Like, peppermint candies for holidays and you know it's uh and it works
0: yeah but like let's okay so mint you use mint as an example but basil does this too where it's i mean i feel like there's probably across the the herb selection there's several but um i know for a fact that mint and basil both have like different derivatives so you can get chocolate mint you can get Mm -hmm. lemon like i Love the fact that it's so versatile, and like it has that flavoring. Like it, it's you know, and you can smell it. Like pick it off of the vine, and you're just like, and like maybe like nosh on it a little bit.
2: Well, what I
1: love about basil and mint too is that they're great herbs, and I you know I feel like cilantro if used the right way, but I think those are great herbs where you know if you just use the right amount, um, you know it's there, it doesn't overpower. But it helps enhance, you know, most ingredients that it's able to pair with. Right. Like yeah. it, you know, with some of those things like best friends are like, we know, like, you know, basil and tomatoes are, you know, constant. Um, I tried out, I had cilantro in a Brussels dish the other day and it was amazing. And I never thought to do that before. So, yeah, right. <laughs> but it just works. So
0: Maybe Wait. wait. You said cilantro and a Brussels sprouts. Like, did you like citrus, like lime, maybe a little lime to brighten it up?
1: Uh, Yeah. So I did a little um, sadachi. It's a fun fruit. It's actually related to yuzu. It's like a little size lime, but it has like the, you know, flavors like lime and lemon. Uh, The flavors in that dish were like a miso honey with uh, dried apricots. Ooh. um, The fresh sadachi, and yeah, a little cilantro to add an herb element to it. And it just really... Write
0: up the whole dish so nice i'm like hold on let me grab my keys you can go feed me now (laughs) um so how often do you switch up the menu because i like i know most restaurants like they list what their what their regular menu is but because you guys are using whatever the freshest ingredients are um i'm assuming that you know your your menu changes quite rapidly
1: well, we're, we're three months open now. Uh, we make, you know, adjustments as far as produce, but, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, I think we opened up at the right season where I knew I had, you know, most ingredients that we do feature um, for a couple months, right? Like a few months. Yeah. Uh, we are looking to do our next uh, seasonal adjustment, right? Because we have some signatures and favors that we just want to swap out some produce things that aren't at his best or at his peak. Um but, you know, we're looking to do that, you know, whether it's every, you know, kind of six to 10 weeks, it, it just, you let them mean you talk to you kind of thing, right? Like, if we feel yeah. like we can add something, if something isn't working, um, if we're going to try something else, if, um, yeah, so we kind of go by that. Um, we're looking to do another one with the next two weeks. We're going to, again, start brunch this weekend. We have a few other things happening. Um, but we do a lot of that, too, within our specials, right? So we change our specials up, you know, pretty often. And a lot of times we're trying our specials out. Um just to see what guest reaction is feedback um and see if it's worthy of a slot for our next menu
0: yeah now ridley park when you're like driving through ridley park it seems like it's a very like um like i i don't know the best way to describe it it's like a very like tight community like low-key like t-shirt and jeans kind of community but the food that you're plating up i you know is extreme like the way that you described it on one of your interviews i was like oh you know it's just gonna be like kind of throwback like to comfort food but i'm like no it's exquisite like it looks delicious
1: well you know i personally love really park and you know some of the people that are veterans are really like i was talking to a couple other night where they're you know they have a couple generations from the area um I love the name of it i think it has a nice little ring to it right like and i've never thought about it before and then like as you think about a restaurant a restaurant concept and stuff like that you're like rosemary ritley park that sounds cool and yeah. like you know light is going off my head people in the area are like really this like that sounds you know this is um but you know it is a blue collar town which is you know describes i think a lot of delco and a lot of philadelphia in general um but with that being said i think everyone just appreciates really good food i think uh you know, again, times have changed, right? Like, and during a pandemic, a lot of us just sat around and ate, and like we know good food. A lot of people will pay good money for good food, yeah. And um, and just just simply what we're offering, right? Like, it's um, just really good food, and people eat it up. Uh, and you try to get away from, and um, you know, I've said it before in interviews where we're a place. There's just no gimmicks, right? Like the focus yeah. is really good food, really good service, really good ambiance, um, really good cocktails um I did kind of notice a trend over the years where people were and I get it right like we're all trying to bring people to like why she's sitting in this restaurant especially during a pandemic um where there were a lot of gimmicks right like come for a dinner and a show and this and that and you know it's like let's just get back to doing really good food and you know people eat it up and um you know you'd be surprised there's a lot of people in the area and not really surprised but like you know all to all Delco once we announce we're opening this restaurant you definitely have those few people that are You know, they just want kind of simple. And that's great, right? Like, um, I don't think we've ever, we do have repeat customers, which we always love. um, But we never really want it. You know, it's not really a place that we just want a quick bite to eat. uh, You know, yeah, you're going to eat there Six, seven days out the week. Like, yeah, there's pizza spots for that chicken figure. Like, this is a, a destination spot, you know, if you want to celebrate if you just want to come out short, sure, you know, but like, I think a birthday anniversary celebration or so. Date or, night. Yeah, it's all in your backyard. And, you know, what I hear a lot from people in the area is that before, if they want to go food, it was either driving into the city or going out to media and really just paying like overpriced meal because like, there's nothing else around it can offer it. I think, you know, we have very affordable prices. We source, you know, high quality food for what we do sell it for. Um, and again, our focus every day of the week is just making sure that every plate comes out. to so you know, it is best. So.
0: I mean, <laughs> and they do look delicious. It, it, it. I think you cleaned up something that was like seared scallops on top of, I believe risotto. Um, yeah. and which is a classic, like comfort food dish that's like elevated. Um, I love scallops. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, no, it was one of those dishes where, it's funny, it's our scallops with our lobster risotto, sauce American, and it's a blood orange goji sauce as well, a couple different sauces. Um, it's funny because when I was writing a menu originally, um, I tasted through everything, every single dish, every single ingredient, maybe a hundred plus times, mm-hmm. some, some less. The scallops was like a new Anita scallop dish, uh, I thought it was too early for the original dish I wanted to do. I'm like, you know, we're just going to do scallops with lobster, rosetta, asparagus. Call it day. I know it works. Yeah. Uh, it hit like wildfire. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> <do it before. laughs> it was good. And we're getting great scallops. And it hit like wildfire. And I was like, oh. And it became almost like a, a cultish following thing. Like even like on a Facebook page and stuff where everyone's like, get the scallops. And um, it's been our highest seller day in, day out for the last three months. It's insane the amount of scallops that we go through
0: uh okay you have me sold again i want to come in and you can actually feed me i mean you i'll pay but you can actually feed me (laughs) absolutely Um, so let's talk desserts because i mean i love desserts too like you can't have a you know a sweet spot without having a sweet ending
1: okay um yeah so desserts uh it's a combination program right um we first started off um you know because we have really tiny kitchen atmosphere stuff like that um we're like let's just focus on a dinner menu and we had this great dessert spot we would go to pretty much every day which is literally right down the street the owners are great uh they're really good friends of ours uh we still stop and have meetings every day it's a little bakery called ardor right down the street um so we've been sourcing desserts from them uh while making like one dessert in house or so or one or two in house just to have that you know homey feel to it but um we are actually expanding our dessert menu pretty soon, as well as our, you know, as well as our pasta program. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Again, a lot of changes uh, happen internally um, that we're excited to share with everybody.
0: Nice. I look forward to, uh, to seeing what the changes are. And, you know, especially because seasonally, like, obviously the ingredients are going to start popping up, like, out the ground. Um, <laughs> and you're going to be able to, be, you know, get a little bit creative with everything that's going to, you know, be in season. Yeah, like
1: right now, you know, I go through the phase of like, you know, when seasons change or every other the week, like I definitely with all my purveyors, uh, they send out that list of like what's in, what's out, what's happening. And um I still go through R&D phase. Like I tell them, I don't trust them. Like, bring me a sample, bring me some. I want to taste it. I'll let you know when it's at its best. So right now I'm still in that R&D phase before I finalize anything. But, um you know, again, it's just making sure that every single thing that we bring in house, every ingredient is at its uh, peak. Because um, we never want to, you know, I think it's something I learned over in California is like. You know, when you start with great, fresh ingredients, there's not much you have to do to bring them out. Right. You let them shine on their own. So,
0: yeah. And and, and that's important because, you know, you do want to highlight the things that are seasonal. You do want to highlight the freshest stuff um, and, you know, and bring people in and engage them, engage their palates, introduce them to like new tweaks and things that they wouldn't have you know, necessarily known about, like, I can't even pronounce the name of the the fruit you said, but.
1: <laughs> oh, sadaji, so Yeah. And, you know, I think that's the fun part of what I do, right? Like that's how, you know, for me, I'm a nerd of this game. Um, <laughs> I'm always trying to learn. I'm always, you know, looking at what's new in the market. I think that's why I have a lot of fun with our, um, with our purveyors, with our, you know, reps and things like that, because like, I'm always looking at like, Hey, I never tried this before. I want to try this. I want to see this. Can you, and I like to send them on missions sometimes too. Like, hey i know you don't carry this in stock but i need you to find this for me i can actually help you but like you start bringing this in for me consistently but um you know i think it's pretty cool because again as we are teaching people like i am learning i am learning as well um i'll never be satisfied with like the food we're doing i'm just always going to like how can we make it better and um yeah so that's the fun part of my job right
0: Yep. Now, speaking of making things better, uh, make everybody's day better by letting them know where to find you online, where to find uh, Rosemary Ridley Park on, uh, online and, and also in person.
1: Got it. Um, so, social media, um, I think on all platforms, my name is Elijah Milligan, uh, Chef Elijah DM on Instagram. Uh, and the same thing with Rosemary, um, Rosemary Ridley Park for our website. Uh, you can find that on Facebook and Instagram as well. We're located at uh, 25 East Hankley Ave, Ridley Park, PA. Um, it is 15 minutes from Center City, 20 minutes from Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, you can get over in Jersey in 20 minutes, five minutes from the airport. So we're, I think we're at that perfect little location where it's easily accessible from all over. And um, no excuse not to come out. We're seven days a week. Uh, and we're starting brunch soon. So,
0: Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Elijah, for joining us again on Food Farms and Chefs. And I will look forward to I will make a point to actually come visit you. Okay.
1: I hope so. I'm gonna hold you today, that I promise. I'm actually gonna follow up in a week or so. So
0: <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Take
1: you down to come meet. right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So Good afternoon, okay?
0: you too. And we'll be right back after this short break. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibefoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolykus at gmail.com. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs, and I'm very happy to introduce you to Wyatt Piazza, who is the chef and owner of Kiddo Restaurant. Wyatt, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs.
2: Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it.
0: No problem. So um, I usually do a little bit of a background check on everybody, and I didn't on you. So I'm going to give you the honor of actually introducing who you are, how you got started in this industry. Um, if you're self-taught, if you went to school.
2: Okay. Yeah, the whole nine. I got you. So, well, my name is Wyatt. Uh I was born and raised on Long Island. I've always had just a deep love and passion for food growing up. Um my dad works um in the horticultural wor- world so I was always kind of around like vegetable production, which also in- interested me in food from another angle. Um all that being said, um I during high school, I had a job in the summers where I was a cook at a camp, and essentially this camp was in New Hampshire. I would drive up there every summer. It was a lot of fun, um, but that essentially is where I got my start, just doing light prep work, washing dishes, stuff like that. Um, so then, you know, when it was time to look towards college, um, I was kind of conflicted as what I should do. I had uh, good enough grades to really like kind of do whatever I wanted, but I really uh started to become more dedicated to cooking. So I looked into this program that Cornell university has with the culinary Institute of America. It's called the S H a slash CIA dual degree program. Um, So I applied there and I got accepted. And essentially I had the honor of like going to Cornell for three years and learning about hospitality management and like the business side of things. And then I had the opportunity to spend a year at the culinary Institute of America in Hyde park. And like there learn more about like, the technique, um, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, my, edu- my education has definitely helped me a lot, but like all that being said, you do a lot of, uh, your learning on the job in this, in this world. Um, and yeah, so after school and stuff, I stayed in Ithaca for a couple years. I was a, uh, the chef of like an Italian steakhouse up there called mahogany grill. Um, and then I moved out to California with, my wife, who was at that point my girlfriend, Elizabeth, um, she's also a co-owner of Kiddo. Um, and yeah, we moved out to a town called Healdsburg in Sonoma County. Um, it's a very wine and food centric town. Um, wonderful, beautiful place. And I worked for a chef there named Dustin Vallette at his restaurant called Vallette, which really, um, really helped me refine my technique and kind of find my style and my home in the kitchen. Um, Put in a couple years with him and I moved to Philly around 2019. I got a job as a sous chef at Park um, and then the pandemic hit. So we all lost our jobs in March. Um, but then Dustin Vallette called me back up and said, hey, Wyatt, you know, been thinking a lot about you. Are you still set in Philly? Like, you know, Dustin, actually, I'm not right now. You know, um, he's like, well, I'm, I'm in the process of opening another restaurant, I would love to have you come out and like be a part of it. So after chatting with him and like negotiating a little bit, I called, um, one of my best friends who is also going to be the opening chef de cuisine for kiddo, Logan, Uh called him up. And, uh, he was like, yeah, man, you can come live on my couch in California for however long it takes to open this restaurant. So basically like me and Elizabeth did like kind of a distance thing for a bit. I moved to Cali, helped us and open his restaurant. It was nice because um, I got married during that time too. And Elizabeth was able to come out for a couple of vacations. I got a little bit of time away. And then basically when that restaurant opened, um, I came back to Philly and I found a job working for Todd Wentz. Um, I was originally help uh, helping to like reopen Oloroso, his Spanish concept on 12th and Walnut. Okay. And um, with the hopes that I would transition to being the chef at Amano, his Italian concept in Fairmount. Um, so I worked at Oloroso for like about a year and a half and then became the chef of Amano and worked there for about a year and a half. Then, you know, I've always wanted to have my own spot and I've been always working towards that. Um, I'm a type of guy who always has a plan, you know, so it was getting time for me where I'm really starting to be comfortable and I really wanted to do my own thing. So I decided to quit from Amano. I worked at a cafe called Musette also in Fairmount for a year. And during that time, since my hours were much different, I had time to go out, look for my spot and kind of start my concept development and stuff like that. So I started working in Musette in, um, around the 4th of July in 2022. And then essentially started looking for my own place that fall. Um, And I decided on the space for kiddo around January, February um, of this year. So I looked at a lot of spots. um, But the old Pinefish space at 12th and Pine was like the most appealing to me. Um, Very beautiful spot, lots of foot traffic, um, stuff like that. Yes, it's required a lot of effort and money to fix this place up. But I do think that I'm better off than I would have been at some of the other spots that I checked out.
0: Yeah. And Um, I mean... It had to, it's, it's probably difficult in the fever of like all of the transformations, like everybody like wanting increased wages and like the cost of everything, like to open up a space and like to renovate. Cause even like the cost of like materials is a lot.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, the build out was definitely expensive. I, I, recommend to anybody just to make sure that you really do a good job securing your financing. Um, I just had to do some deep diving and I got the type of loan that I needed and you know, it's worked out well so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: always good. Now. Um, I know, I know that, you know, Elizabeth is your co-owner. Um, I didn't know that you were married. So, you know, congratulations on Thank a you. lengthy, healthy relationship. Um, how, how, many, how much hands-on experience does she have in, involved in the restaurant, like in back of house or front of house?
2: That is a great question. So me and Elizabeth actually met because she was um, a host at Mahogany Grill, where, where I used to work. Um, so I'd say that her experience in hospitality really has to do more with the front of house. Um, I mean, even it goes back to when she was real young, like scooping ice cream and stuff, um, <laughs> which requires, you know. Which which requires a lot of customer service. Um, But I will say that Elizabeth's main focuses and main strengths are really um, when it comes to like making reservations and plotting, like making the plan for the night. Um, She used to do about four to 500 covers at Mahogany Grill, all old school, like pen and paper reservations were taken by phone in a book. And she would plot out the whole night on paper and execute it. So like she has a brilliant mind for that type of stuff. Yeah, also, she has a lot of sustainability, um, experience. That's what her degree is in. Um, and currently she's actually the director of sustainability at Swarthmore college. Um, oh, what? yeah, so that's going to be a lot. She will be involved with kiddo on the weekends and stuff. And also is always there behind the scenes working on our website, um, making sure that we're doing what we deem to be like our most sustainable practices. Um, so, yeah, she'll definitely be guest facing, but is also in, like, an administrative role here, kiddo.
0: Yeah. I mean, I knew I knew she would play, like, a significant role. I had no idea that she was the director of uh, sustainability, which is highly important because I know that there's a lot of things that are, affect our environment. And, you know, it's becoming more and more prevalent and apparent um, that we need to do something. And I know that a lot of restaurateurs, a lot of um, – like farmers, a lot of ed- everybody in the hospitality and food industry recognized that a long time ago and have been taking steps. But it's definitely more on trend now. And and I know that that's something that you guys focus on in your restaurant.
2: Yes. Yeah, so it's very it's something that we are focusing on and it's a very um, hard problem to approach. There is multiple different angles, multiple different like lenses that you can view it under. Um, so for us at, at Kiddo, I'd say the core of our sustainable practice for practices first has to come from like where we source stuff. Um, so one of my sayings in the kitchen is always um, good products, then apply good technique. So instead of like, you know, overly manipulating my food, um, doing all this crazy stuff, I really like just look for a good product and try to present it um, as straightforward as possible. Um, So when we were like looking for vendors and stuff, I literally talked to old chefs of mine. Um, Jason from Oloroso was a big help. And I just got a bunch of farmers numbers and reached out to them. Um, I was able to even go and visit some of these farms before we even started like talking about getting accounts set up with them. And my main thing is not only finding like local and fresh produce, but also, like, I'm looking to work directly with farmers. The farmers, in order to be a sustainable system, like, the farmers have to get paid the right amount of money. Um, So that's – it's really important to me to be working, like, directly with them. Um, Now, a lot of people's next question is, like, okay, what about your bar program? Yeah. So now that's something that's an even greater issue, and we debated for a long time what we wanted to do. Um, But we chose the route of actually – still serving things like tequila and mezcal that aren't made here yeah. and can't be made here, but just choosing to partner with people who are doing practices that we believe in. Like our mezcal is coming from a co-op in um, Oaxaca that the whole community makes mezcal and they all like mix it together at the end and make the batch and then they sell it. So like, although it's not coming directly from our, area, we're, like, still supporting this community in Oaxaca that's producing the Mezcal. So, like, there's always a lot of give and take, um, is all I'm trying to say. And with each decision we make, we try really carefully to focus on, like, okay, like, what is important to us and our core values, and how do we make this as sustainable as we can?
0: Yeah. And um, I want to also, like, mention the fact that you, you guys, you know, also bring in purveyors that are farmers, I should say. You work closely with the farmers that are local to this area.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, I'd say some specifically like Doreen from Hill Creek Farm in Pottstown. Emma from High Farm in Pottstown. Uh, we're looking to start bringing some eggs in from Horseshoe Ranch, also in Pottstown. And then um, I had the pleasure of meeting Patrick from um, Stony Lane Organics in New Hope. Okay. Um, he's, he's been the farm manager there for about two years. They're certified organic there. And like what he has done to that farm is just amazing, only in his second year, because like getting certified organic is really tough. And it's even yeah. harder when you're wedged in between a bunch of conventional farm plots. So, like, a lot of respect. Shout out to Patrick. He puts, he works really hard to, um, make that place what it is today. Um, and I'd say like, those are probably, those are our primary farms, um, that we work with.
0: Yeah. So let's talk menu, um, with what you do at kiddo because obviously everybody who tunes in, they love, you know, getting the dish on, you know, who you are and what your restaurant is and what you you're about, but you know we love to dig into uh, to the meat of the the restaurant. Like, what are your offerings? And do you have you know a chef's ta- tasting and and you know what not?
2: I would love to talk about that because cooking <laughs> is my favorite thing after all. I'm just gonna <laughs> pull up my opening menu ideas. Okay, so. One more thing I just want to drive home before I dive into the menu is that like, I really view a chef um, in kind of a dual role. And like one of those roles is being a steward of the environment, which really comes to play with the menu and many developments. So like, I think like people look at chefs and kind of see like maybe what's popular or ma- maybe they learn a different dish that they like to eat. And like, I think it's on us to make sure that we're sourcing the correct products um, to try to be more sustainable so that like the general public will do that. So Once again, like sustainability and like kind of locality really drives our menu. Um, So the menu at Kiddo is going to be set up in an interesting fashion. So there's like snacks, small plates, pastas, big plates and sweets.
0: So is that almost like a European version where it's like tapas and like mains and whatnot?
2: Kind of. Yeah. Like I am a really social person and I really uh, at kiddo here. We're really trying to just. We want everyone to have a great time. And I think some sharing is great. And like, if you're not into that, there's also a big plate for you, you know, like, (laughs) so yeah. Um, And I also also wanted to make the menu kind of like fit this space. So we have about a 20 seat bar area. So like the bar itself has about uh, eight seats at it. And then we have a beautiful maple countertop that goes in the windows of the restaurant facing out that can sit another six okay then we have about, about three high tops in the area too so like the menu having a snacks and a small plate section will also like accompany um, people's activities in the bar area like better than they will the dining room, you know um, yeah so I kind of because our space is like a it's they're almost like two separate rooms so I really wanted to make sure that the menu could be used in both um, yeah and like an example of a snack that you will find a kiddo all the time are like assorted root vegetable chips so kind of just, like, depending on season, we'll probably serve a different sauce or, like, a different aioli with it. Um, but I'm always looking to have some sweet potatoes, some beets, some different potato varieties, maybe even some sunchokes in the wintertime. Um,
0: oh, nice. No, so yes. yeah,
2: just for a little nice, like, salty snack, you know?
0: Yeah. I wonder if you could get your hands on taro and make taro chips.
2: That would be awesome if I could, if I could find someone <laughs> that grows it around here, which actually, like, there's a farm in Delaware, a Suzuki farm that might. So... Yeah, tarot chips are the best. The, the texture is like unmatched.
0: Yeah. And just the, not just the texture, but the flavor profile of a tarot chip tastes really, really good. I don't know what it is, but it just hits different.
2: It like reminds me of a Pringle almost.
0: <laughs>
2: In flavor profile, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's really, really delicious. But um, so, I mean, let's like obviously a very like grabbable, shareable kind of thing that you can, you know, bring bring to the table no pun intended um but what are some of the other like decadent like what like because i feel like chips chips and some sort of dip um that's artisanal dip um and artisanal chips like mind you you yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and it's scratch made at that so i'm sure you're like at like i would have to use a mandolin to like get the perfect slice but um (laughs) <laughs> I I feel like your knife skills are gonna be like on point, um, <laughs> but like to to cut and slice um, that many thing that many root vegetables and like make it into like a chip version. Um, do you use a dehydrator or do you like oven roast them?
2: So basically, the goal with these, so to cut them, we'll actually we'll actually throw them right on a meat slicer. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be it, it's like faster, easier, a little less resistance. Um and then what will do? What we'll do essentially is store the chips separately, like each type of root vegetable. And then whenever I'm the opening hot apps guy. So when I come into work, right, <laughs> I'll turn on my fryer and I'll start it at 250. And that's when I'll cook I'll cook the beat the beet chips or whatever has the highest sugar content first. Yeah. And I'll fry them off and then I'll essentially keep staggering the fryer. So I'll go up by 25 or 50 degrees and you know just go through and fry each type and then at the end we'll toss them and mix them all together oh, no. but essentially we'll just be straight frying them it's just you have to be mindful of like the sugar content and the temperature of the fryer itself
0: that's something that I didn't know but I'm like self-taught so <laughs> thank you for <laughs> teaching me something new um, <laughs> so what other kind of grabbable bites do you have
2: awesome yeah I'm gonna name off a couple here so one of the small plates that I'm really excited about serving is going to be a herb crusted pumpkin wedge. Mm. Um, that's going to be served with a gremolata of like sage, parsley and breadcrumbs and lemongrass. Okay. Um, Cause we're actually growing a bunch of lemongrass outside of kiddo right now. And then lo- it'll be topped with like a maple, like a whipped maple creme fraiche.
0: Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. That's an so interesting be- f- flavor profile.
2: Mm-hmm. Little tar, little sweet, you know? Yeah. I think it, it'll go really well together. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, well, I'm sure you've you've tested it out.
2: Oh, many times, many times. Um, yeah, so like then I'm gonna roll into some pastas because like I I'm a big pasta guy. All my experience in Amano really uh, made me have a even bigger love for it. So one of our pasta dishes is a shape called Crested Gallo. It's an it's Italian shape. It means the cock's crest. So it's like looks like a rooster's head in the sense that it's a essentially like a macaroni shape with a frill on the outside. Huh. Um, so really cute and fun shape. Um, and we're going to be serving that with like a winter squash puree. Okay. Um, and we're going to put some grilled uh, like broccoli tips in there, top it with some pickled shallots and some Oldwick shepherd, which is like a, a cheese that comes from Jersey. It is um, it is like a raw milk cheese that um, I'm pretty sure it's like similar to a pecorino. Um, okay. Okay. And so that'll be nice and delicious. And then another pasta I'm excited about is our spinach rotolo. So a rotolo, depending on who you ask, I mean, for me, at least it's like, it's like a cinnamon bun looking shape of pasta. So like you lay your dough out all flat, put your filling on the inside and roll it right up. Um, So we're going to be stuffing ours with like some spinach and ricotta, and then serving it over this fermented pepper sauce that we've already started making, even though we're still about two to three weeks out from opening. Um, so basically like the sauce makes this dish. So what we do for the sauce is we make this hot sauce called palaka. Okay. It's like a 10 to 12 day fermentation where we're roasting a bunch of hot peppers and a bunch of sweet peppers, equal parts by weight over a, an open fire. So you get a lot of that smoky flavor Yeah, and then you peel them and you ferment them like 3.5% salt. Um, so yeah, so you ferment those for like 10 to 12 days and then with a little bit of garlic and then at the end, you kind of puree it with a little bit of sugar and vinegar. And so that's one part of the sauce. Then we're also going to be taking fresh corno de toro peppers and making a fresh pepper coolie out of those. So essentially we'll sweat down garlic and onions, add the peppers, sweat them down until they're very cooked. And then puree that up. So right now we have the hot sauce and we have the fresh pepper coulis. And then (laughs) we also fired up the dehydrator today. We got a bunch of beautiful guajillo peppers from Doreen at Hill Creek um, last week. I smoked them at home last night over my uh, charcoal grill. (laughs) Threw them in the dehydrator at the restaurant today. And so we're literally making our own guajillo peppers, which we will bloom and add to the sauce before we finish it.
0: Wow, that is going to be a bold dish.
2: (laughs) We really like – one of the things that we really like to do at Kiddo, uh, me and Logan are big on this, is taking, like, a product and taking the fresh version of the product and, like, a preserved version of it, whether that be, like, a pickled or a fermented, and, like, blending the two. Because, like, in our eyes, it's like you kind of get a more well-rounded ending point in that way. Yeah, yeah. So like one of our most recent pop-ups at Oloroso, we like tested this out and like all anyone talked about was the fermented pepper sauce. So I think we did our job correctly. (laughs) Um, And then I just want to also mention like for some of our larger plates, like there is sustainable meat served at kiddo. Um, Some people get a little thrown off when they hear the term, term vegetable forward. Um, But the best way to think about that term for me is like, we're very, we, we really like to, um, serve a lot of vegetables and all of our dishes contain a lot of vegetables. Um, but like, I'm not saying that, that kiddo is exclusively vegetarian. Um, you don't have to to have a sustainable food system. You don't have to completely stop eating meat. You know, it's just more about like making the right choices and um, eating less of it. Yeah. Um, so like a good, before I jump into the dishes, a good talking point. In this is like, we probably won't be serving cow meat or beef at kiddo, but there's a native species in the Americas, bison that is comparable um, and available commercially in PA. Yeah. Um, so like we'll look to do things like that, you know, like duck is another great one that's produced here in PA pork's another good one that's produced here in PA. Um, so that being said, we'll probably uh, on the opening menu have like a bone in pork chop. We have a very beautiful um, broiler here. It's called a Montague Steakhouse broiler. So that thing, has some juice to it. So we'll, we'll probably brine up these pork chops, grill them and serve them over like a, a set that consists of chicory. So I'm probably looking to do some like Castle Franco, um, radicchio, uh maybe some frise, um, compressed apples, roasted pecans okay, and, and apple gastric. So the apple gastrique will be like a really like, uh, tart kind of like apple jam that'll be served with the pork chop. And then, what we'll do is we'll take that sauce and actually make a glaze out of it um that will coat the pork chop in while we cook it. Oh nice. Mm, so that's a really nice like fall dish for us here. That's why I wanted to wanted to mention it. Um
0: <laughs> and pork chops, um pork in general takes really well to like a mild sweetness that when the when it cooks. Like I know um I've made pork chops with blueberries before, uh just because adding that like hint of sweetness kind of just bloom, like blooms the whole dish in general.
2: I a hundred percent agree with you. And that's kind of why we also chose like the chicory salad to like, kind of like fight the sweetness a little bit. If it comes through too harshly, you know, like, yeah. um, Try to really balance it out. And, you know, and sorry.
0: Oh, I was going to say in the last couple of minutes, because we, we, time goes by fast when you're having fun. Um, So, you know, what, when, when are you slated to open? And, you know, are you having a grand opening? Like, is there any kind of, you know, big celebration that we can look forward to?
2: So, I'm sure all restaurant owners will agree with me when I say it's very hard to pinpoint your opening date. Um, I am loosely shooting for the week of October 16th. Um, okay. And what I would do in during that week is I would have two nights of soft opening. So like the first night will be for the people that were like integral to this project, like my graphic designer, my photographer, um, my family, stuff like that. The second night will be open to more like friends and stuff. People from the neighborhood. Um, I've been working on this space for a long time. So I've been meeting a lot of people that live around here. Um, and stuff like that, just to give us like another dry run for our staff. Mm. Then we'll probably close for one day, collect ourselves and open right up. Um, I wasn't planning on doing any crazy sort of party or like grand opening, grand opening or anything like that. Um, We're just hoping we could ease right into it and um, have a good time while doing it, you know?
0: And I mean, that's part like, Hey, it's your restaurant. You can open it as you wish.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, Um, I mean, it's, it's always, it's just, it's just super hard to pinpoint. That's why it's like very hard to coordinate it. Much respect to people that are able to do it. Um, But yeah, We'll open it up for the soft opening and then I'm sure when the posters come down out of the windows, people will be ready. Oh yeah, I'm
0: sure. And, uh, you know, people follow Instagram, Google, and then there's the Yelpers. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure that you're going to entice people on many, many levels. I hope so. Uh, so where can they find you in person and online?
2: Okay. So in person, you can come to 1138 Pine Street on the corner of 12th and Pine. I'll be there all the time. I'm always here. Um, and online, our Instagram is at kiddo restaurant and our website is kiddo restaurant.com.
0: All right. Well, Wyatt, it was a wonderful time having you on Food Farms and Chefs. And I look forward to your opening. Congratulations on your new restaurant.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me today. It's always nice to talk about something that I love so much. And <laughs> uh, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. I listened to a lot of your podcasts before this to kind of like get a feel for it. And um, I'm a big fan. So thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And speaking of, um, every week you can tune in uh, on Tuesdays at WWDB and W. Uh, P.E.N. at 6 p.m. And in the New York listening area, W.M.L.D. at 1 p.m. All right. Have a great day.
2: Thank you so much. No problem. To listen to the rest of Food Farms and Chefs, tune your HD radio to 97.5 W.P.E.N. HD2 or stream live from WWDBAM.com.